advisor said something to me sitting in a meeting um, that I will never forget. She looked at me and I was just torn because I wanted to take these other classes and I, you know, I wanted, had to take my science classes. And she looked at me and she said, Jen, just because you are good at something and just because you have told everybody what your path is, doesn't mean that you are trapped. It doesn't mean you have to do it for the rest of your life. And it doesn't mean that, um, that you are required to complete the path you have set out for yourself. And that was an absolutely transformative moment for me. Um, I added Jewish studies to my major. I was able to let go of what I had been talking about for the last 15 years in a way that I, I really never thought was possible um, and completely changed my life's path and decided that I, you know, I, I could do something as a job that was what I wanted to do for my life and be a writer and a preacher and a teacher and a learner and a youth worker and a counselor and all of these things that I loved doing. And it didn't mean that I was a failure for giving up a path that I had set for myself when I was five. So that for me um, set my entire life in motion and brought me here. And uh, I could not be more grateful for that, for that counselor who just looked at me and said, you are free to make your choices. You are free to change your mind. To Waking Up to Life with Rabbi Josh, a podcast built around conversations with people in the community who have found a bit of enlightenment in their lives. While these events and stories may not seem life-changing to you, the conversation and a little bit of insight from Jewish tradition may reveal how these moments have shaped the way my guests see the world. This is an informal conversation, but it may just change your life as well. And if not, it's just 18 minutes with me. So l'chaim, to life. On today's show, I have the special opportunity to welcome my colleague, Rabbi Jennifer Lader, to the conversation. Rabbi Jen, so glad to be here with you. It is great to be here, Rabbi Josh. So while you and I have had the opportunity to work together over the years and connect on both a professional and personal level, there are some personal stories about how you got here that I think are really exciting and interesting for our listeners. So if, if you would take a minute to talk about your process in making the decision to become a rabbi and come to Temple Israel. Well, first, thanks for having me. It's so fun to be here and, uh, and to, to, to be with your listeners. Um, you know, I was raised in Austin, Texas by uh, my parents, and we, we ended up in Austin because my father was uh, a, a professor at the university and uh, a research scientist in the area of molecular biology. And my entire life was centered around science. My uncles were doctors and scientists. From the time I could speak, I was on the path to becoming a doctor, a pediatric surgeon, actually, uh, from, from, from the time I was about five years old when I had my first surgery as a child. And, um, and my entire life was built around this. So for middle school, I attended a specialized science program. I went to a science magnet school for high school that was just this incredible place where everybody there, these brilliant thinkers and, and came from all over the city to come and learn in this way. Um, and so like everything I did was, was based on this vision of myself in the future as a doctor. 
And, uh, and, and then we had a huge life change and my parents picked up and we moved to Maryland uh, right before my senior year of high school. And I was really involved with youth group. And, and when I got to college, there were, uh, there were Jewish studies classes that I could take for fun. And I had never studied Judaism academically before. And I was taking all of my science classes in an honor science program, top of my class, you know, 4.0 and taking all of these other Jewish classes for fun, like supernatural and Jewish literature and women's history and Hebrew and all of these things I'd never had the chance to do and working as a youth director at a, at a conservative congregation. And I just could not spend enough time in those Jewish studies classes. Uh, you know, I would go from organic chemistry to Hebrew um, and then back to you know, molecular biology in one day. And my advisor said something to me sitting in a meeting um, that I will never forget. She looked at me and I was just torn because I wanted to take these other classes and I, you know, I want to had to take my science classes. And she looked at me and she said, Jen, just because you are good at something and just because you have told everybody what your path is, doesn't mean that you are trapped. It doesn't mean you have to do it for the rest of your life. And it doesn't mean that, um, that you are required to complete the path you have set out for yourself. And that was an absolutely transformative moment for me. Um, I added Jewish studies to my major. I was able to let go of what I had been talking about for the last 15 years in a way that I, I really never thought was possible um, and completely changed my life's path and decided that I, you know, I, I could do something as a job that was what I wanted to do for my life and be a writer and a preacher and a teacher and a learner and a youth worker and a counselor and all of these things that I loved doing. And it didn't mean that I was a failure for giving up a path that I had set for myself when I was five. So that for me um, set my entire life in motion and brought me here. And uh, I could not be more grateful for that, for that counselor who just looked at me and said, you are free to make your choices. You are free to change your mind. Well, I will say on behalf of the entire Temple Israel community and the Jewish world, <laughs> we are really happy as well that your counselor made that uh, statement to you and that you followed the advice. Uh, and we'll come back to the lessons that you've learned from that experience, but I, I have to ask the question, which is sort of begging from the story, is there for you a conflict between that very scientific world and the very unscientific faith-based world in which you currently find yourself? So it's so funny. People ask me that all the time. And I, um, I actually think they're the same world. What I love about science and what I love about Judaism are the same. And that is walking around this world with a sense of wonder and a sense of awe. Um, when, you know, my, my science of choice was always biology. My dad's a biologist and from, you know, from my first memories were outside in the, in the backyard, looking at the patterns and the leaves. And, um, I, I cannot help but see magic in the world around me. And that's, that's why I was always drawn to, and I'm still drawn to science and I still love the natural world. Um, and that's why I'm drawn to Judaism too, because I, they are just different lenses by which to view the world's magic and try to understand my place in the world. And um, it's funny how many doctors tell me when I'm in their offices that they their other job that they would have done was to be a rabbi and vice versa, because we are we are people who who want to understand the world around us and, and see it, um, see it with wonder. And it's interesting to me, uh, as you know, we've talked about this before. My own mother was a kidney 
transplant patient. Yeah. And I've often come to terms with the fact that while we may say we don't see modern day miracles in the same way that our biblical characters saw miracles, we don't see the, the sea splitting in the same way that perhaps Moses and the ancient Israelites did, just the fact that physicians, doctors, scientists are able to do the things they're able to do, for me, is miraculous. It is a modern miracle, and it isn't right. any less strange than those ancient miracles that maybe don't make sense in a modern world. Yeah, and, and there's, you know, the, there's that blessing, that morning blessing, a shariat sara that gives thanks to God for our bodies working the way they're supposed to work, you know, that our all, all of our holes are open or closed, depending on what they need to be, and and every part of life in this world feels like a miracle to me. Um, and so, I, you know, on the one hand, researching and trying to decode the mysteries, one path. And on the other hand, just experiencing a profound sense of gratitude and being able to really revel in the mysteries themselves. So for me, there's no conflict. There never has been. And I, I, I find often that, that people of science and people of faith have a, a quite a bit in common. So you're now a parent and a wife, and the leader of the largest synagogue in North America. Have you taken these same lessons that you've applied to your own personal life and help your children and maybe even your husband see the world the way you see the world? How, how has it impacted you as a mom? Yeah, I... I think so. I try really hard. I'm really intentional about the way I talk about the world with my family um, and the way, like, especially during COVID when we were trapped in the house for, for a year and a half and my kids weren't in school, I thought about um, the parts of the world that I love the most in a time of deep fear and tried to uh, instill that sense of on my children. So I don't know if you follow me on Instagram, Rabbi Josh, or if you're even, and I know you're on it, but like, if you're on it, but like we were out with my daughter with gloves, like picking apart dead birds that we found in the woods and, and working with Cantor Smolesh's wife, uh, Dr. Jen Green, and figuring out what plants in our forest, like you can see our backyard, um, what plants back there were safe to eat. So my kids were foraging for salad because to them, like to me, the, the, the magic of being alive doesn't really, you know, it's, it's not tied to a classroom. And so I try to take every opportunity to, um, both in terms of my love of science and outside and living things, um, but also, uh, you know, connecting to the community uh, through COVID too, through Jewish ritual, grounding ourselves in the foundation of our, of our family. Um, all of those things are really important. So I do my best, but, um, you know, it's, it's a mindset. And I, I, we try to raise our kids certainly within that mindset. And obviously they're gonna to have to make decisions about how they perceive the world, how they perceive faith and science in their own experiences. It is interesting to me that for you, for me, for so many of us who are faithful people, the natural world is in fact the place where we access both faith and science together, right? This, right. this whole idea that the trees growing is both a scientific experiment and a faithful belief that there is something bigger than us, some, something that some people our tradition calls God. But we are living in a strange time, right? A time that during this pandemic, science in some ways has been attacked. So how, how do you now see the world maybe differently in this, uh, what, whereas you chose a faithful understanding of your personal and professional life, 
but you also have this deep connection to science. How do you feel about what's happening in terms of the community sort of attacking science as not necessarily truth the way that we used to think of science? I don't feel great about it. I, um, it's very frustrating to me. You know, it reminds me of that story um, of the guy in the boat and the, uh, the, the guy in the house and the whole place is flooding and the emergency vehicle comes by and the guy says, no, 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 don't worry about it. God's going to save me. And then the boat comes by and the river, he says, no, no, God's going to save me. Ends up on the roof. The helicopter comes by. No, 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 God's going to save me. And then the guy dies and gets to the pearly gates and God is there. He says, God, why didn't you save me? And God says to the guy, like, what do you think the ambulance and the boat and the helicopter were? So I think about that all the time that we are, that, that what an unbelievable miracle that in a time when, um, when our world is in crisis, uh, we have tools to help protect ourselves and the people are opting out of, of using those tools. It's very frustrating to me. Um, I, I am um, lifted up by the, by the fact that the vast majority of our community are fully committed to keeping themselves and other members of the community as safe as possible. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's very frustrating for somebody who sees science as a as an outward stretched arm of, of, of miracle and divinity and to have people opt out of using that uh, and use God as an excuse. That's a very frustrating experience. Yeah, and, and while we at Temple Israel have not put into effect a vaccine mandate, we do certainly as a Jewish community feel very strongly that the option to take a vaccine if you are able is something that is absolutely Jewishly appropriate, necessary, and faith and science meeting in the middle ground exactly as you are describing in terms of your own personal life. So I, I want to get back to what you said earlier. You know, you, you made this very deep shift, but it was because of a lesson learned from that counselor who said to you that just because you say something, just because you love something doesn't mean it is the only path. So where obviously changed your career, but where else has that impacted you as a, a rabbi, as a friend in the modern world? I think about it. I kid you not. I think about it every single day. I think about it every day because I think that we are creatures. All of us are creatures of habit we are complacent. Um, and I, I think of that as a godly message that you are free to make choices every single day that will impact your future. And if we are not capable of changing our minds and turning around and throwing something out and trying something new, then we are not taking full advantage of the life that we've been given. Um, so I think about it all the time. I think about it, uh, you know, when I Every day, you know, when when I was hired at Temple Israel, you guys made jokes about like the firm and being hired for life. But but you know as well as I do that that we choose our lives every single day, and we have to make choices about what's important to us and our families every day. And and um, it, I feel like if I don't do that, I've stopped living. So. For me, it's about the intention behind the way that I'm eating. It's intention behind um, our family. My parents just moved right across the lake over there, like intention about um, the communities that, we, that we're building for ourselves, the friends we choose to have, the values that we, that we hold close. Um, every day we look at our, our lives and say, are we living up to the most critical part of our life? Are we living up to our values? Are we giving 
into the community as much as we're taking out of it. Is this the place we want to be? Is this the life I want to live? Are these the values that we want to teach our children? And we, we talk about them all the time. So for literally from that moment, that has become like a mantra, like a, a broken record in my head, like every day is a choice, every day is a choice, every day is a choice. And I'm trying to make the best choice that I can every day. But you said something in the middle of that, that really resonates with me, this idea that we are allowed to maybe even it is our obligation to sometimes change our mind. And yeah. that's something that's really hard for me, for so many other people. Yeah. Um, but I think that if we change our minds, if we learn and grow, we are evolving as people. Right. It does, however, take this very important skill to listen, right? We have to be able to hear. And part of my challenge in the community in which we live now in this millennia is that we are more and more grounded in what we believe, what we hear yeah. in the news, what we understand. And I think it's important. I've spoken about it on this podcast. I've spoken about it from sermons. We have to start listening more to other people and begin to understand other perspectives. Otherwise, we will never succeed in the, the goal that you're presenting as being open to change, open to evolution. Right. And that and that if you go, if you move through life with the idea that um, that that everything is a choice and and we are not trapped, um, it it makes it a lot easier to see things from a different perspective and to um, to acknowledge other paths as not wrong. And I think the most important part of the whole thing is that to change your mind cannot be considered a failure. Like to change your path is not is not failing. And I think a lot of people, you know, when they're in a relationship and they've been in a relationship for 10 years and they're trying and they're getting married because that's the next step, like to to not follow a path that has already been set for you is not is not the most important thing. The most important thing is to um is to take a deep look inside yourself and and really figure out what you want and what's important and um and not do things just because it's easy because our authentic self is in fact the most important part of our human existence. And I think that that's a really powerful way for us to end this conversation. We are not stuck. We are open to change. We are evolutionary creatures, both physically, emotionally, and spiritually, as you discovered in your professional life. And I think that if we continue to remind ourselves that, the lessons, Rabbi Jen, that you've shared today are going to be powerful for anybody who takes that to heart. So this is an amazing opportunity for me to turn the, the table a little bit, to, to turn this around. Um, in terms of your personal change, your personal growth, one of the questions I ask every guest is, is there something right now, a book you're reading, a television show, or a movie that you've seen that has helped shape the new Rabbi Jen? Ooh, that's a great, I love it. Um, I, 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 can I have two? Sure. Okay. So the first, I need everyone to go watch Inside with Bo Burnham. I'm obsessed with it and him uh, about changing perspectives and, and processing the grief and loss and hope that we've all experienced over the last year and a half. I, uh, I've watched it like five times and I, I just feel like everybody needs to. It was like a year's worth of therapy for me to watch it every time I do. What's the title again? Inside, it's on Netflix, Bo Burnham. It's like a, he's a comedian, but it's not funny. So just prepare yourself for a comedy show that's not actually funny. It's okay. That's number one. And number two, you know, I have taken the last um, 
the pandemic to reinvigorate my my love of reading and I am a voracious reader uh, and I am constantly uh, exploring other narratives I read fiction only so I I really love getting myself like out of West Bloomfield and into like a completely different time and place and 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 person and so I've really um, these last few weeks been enjoying uh, Elizabeth Strout's work so the Olive Kittredge and the Burgess Boys and all of her stuff is just it's so um, beautifully written and really helps me reframe my understanding of myself in a different way, like seeing these characters go through all of their like small lives, um, but how deeply they're felt. And it helps me, helps me remember that everybody, everybody feels just as deeply as I do. And I, I need that reminder sometimes. Those are fantastic recommendations. We all now have some uh, winter hibernation reading and television to watch, uh, hopefully as we maybe even hunker down a little bit in this new wave of the coronavirus, we have something to do to keep our minds evolving. Rabbi Jen, it is really a pleasure to have had you on the show, but also really a pleasure to call you a friend and a colleague. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. So here we've come to another end of a podcast, Waking Up to Life with Rabbi Josh. Uh, thank you all for joining us. Thank you all for listening and being open to the changes that may come in your life. I hope that you will continue to thrive, to grow, to be who you are destined to become and continue to wake up to life. L'chaim. <laughs>